Today's episode is brought to you by Alliance Aviation. Whether your mission is flying in style to any of the circuits on this year's Formula One calendar or simply traveling for business, Alliance's team of aviation professionals is ready to get you from point A to point B. When you fly with Alliance as a charter customer, we deliver superior aircraft, fair pricing, and no long-term commitments. And right now, we have an ongoing promotion to save you 5% on all jet cards. Normally, a jet card can cost you $6,500 per flight hour, but when you use promo code POINTS, you can save over $8,000 per jet card. Use promo code POINTS and fly to the Formula One circuits in style at fly.flyalliance.us slash points. Welcome back to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe. On this week's episode, it's race week at none other than the Spanish Grand Prix, the curtain raiser to the European Caesar. While most of the circuits are seeing these new F1 cars for the first time, it's more of a second date between the teams and the circuit to Barcelona-Catalunya as they return with more experience, less weight, and lover's lust since their preseason testing debut. The oldest race in the world dating back to 1913 sits atop a 16-corner, 4.6-kilometer circuit with two DRS zones and 14 direction changes, making this a true technical test for the drivers, constructors, and aero teams alike this weekend. Listen in as we talk F1 boycotts amidst rumors swirling Michael Massey's return to the race director's seat, modern-day F1 drivers exposing the historical greats like Nicky Lauda and James Hunt, Danny Ricardo getting kicked out of an F1 seat, and as always, Sam's bets. This episode is full of high-speed corners, DRS zones, and the hottest Formula One takes in the business. Don't touch those buttons because we are going racing. Welcome back, everybody, to the In The Points podcast. I'm your host, Matt Dottiel. Joined, as always, I have Sam Russell and Stefano Sedano. Welcome onto the podcast again, guys. Buenos tardes, amigos. I am, uh, I'm pumped to chop it up with my hombres and, uh, and get to the Spanish Grand Prix big week. Hello, hello. Hola. Let's talk about it. <laughs> All right, guys. Wow. I love how you guys are getting into the Spanish mindset. You're channeling your inner Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso this week. So I was channeling my inner Bono, but okay. Which Bono? The race engineer or the singer? The singer. You guys didn't have that period when the iPod was like in the mid 2000s and like you two did all the advertising for it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't, I don't remember the Spanish version of that, though. Yeah, I mean, it could have been the, one of those versions where you like, forced downloaded it onto your iPhone because I remember you two did that, too, where like you woke up one day and iTunes had a forced album onto your, your iPhone. Anyway, no, wasn't channeling the inner Bono, but glad, hey, whatever gets you up because it's race week, boys. It's race week, and we're back, and we're ready, and we're excited, and man, we are like four days away from FP1. When this comes out, it'll be like 24 hours until FP1, and we're hitting into the technical part of the circuit, as, as Stefano said, but first... Let's start with some headlines this week. So 
First one, a couple weeks ago, we talked a lot about how contract signing and people switching drivers and teams making moves and maybe like somebody was losing their seat. I'm still a pretty big proponent of the fact that I think Daniel Cardo's time is coming to an end. I think McLaren could move him for Gasly if those rumors are true. We talked about Latifi losing his seat to a reserve driver, maybe a Nico Hulkenberg, more likely an Oscar Piastri. Last week, though, Sam, Canadian reporter dropped that Latifi was canned. He was he lost his seat. And then out of the blue, he revised his story. But you broke that first. Talk to us about that story. Yeah, I think I may have just gotten caught up in another one of these fake Twitter rumors. I checked out that guy's timeline and he had some weird tweets. So it's no surprise to me that this isn't true. Although, you know, I would have guessed it could be true because we've talked about it for a couple of weeks now. You know, if there's one person that is gonna gonna lose his seat this year, it's my opinion, Latifi. Uh, he's, he's really the only one who I think has a chance to get moved out. So at the time it wasn't all that surprising to me, but looking back, yeah, it was another weird no name F1 quote unquote reporter. So no surprise that it's it's fake news. Similar guy to who was breaking the whole driver swapping story. Another you know, random Spanish reporter. This was a random Canadian reporter. He came back on and he apologized. But the team has come out and, and kind of confirmed that that's false. And they're about the full support of Latifi right behind him the entire season. But Stefano, do you really buy that? Like I, I feel like that's kind of like PR cover up. They clearly aren't ready to move him yet. And they don't want him to lose confidence. Already he's already got no confidence. So pushing this storyline, coming out. I mean, we've seen teams do that all the time where they like say one thing and then come summer break they do something different and they say well based on you know previous performance but do you buy that not really if i'm gonna draw comparisons to another sporting world i'm gonna draw comparisons to soccer anytime you hear news about a team looking to fire its coach once the reporters catch wind of that teams will go into damage control mode and be like oh no 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 we're not gonna fire him we're not gonna fire him then a few days later what happens they, they fire him you know I, I can see something pretty similar happening to latifi i mean let's be real he probably should be out of the seat sooner rather than later i think the only reason keeping him in his seat is is the bankroll that daddy provides to williams right he's kind of a paid driver he's similar to a little bit of a similar story to lance stroll where and nikita mazepin where daddy's just funding the second seat williams doesn't have to worry too much about going out and finding sponsors that they have to deliver on performance for so you know maybe they're just milking the cow for all the milk it's got and trying to keep that that nice juicy cash flow you know, running right through the, their bank accounts so that way they can keep kind of funding Alex Albon. But I don't know that I buy that either. I think I think it's damage control. But again, the Twitter F1 rumor mill has just been absolutely buzzing the past few weeks. Yeah, you hear all kinds of different names popping up on Twitter to get into the Williams seat. I mean, just today I saw a headline about some Formula E guy, Nick DeVray or however you say his name. He's driving FP1. They want to give him the seat for the race. The Williams driver. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Again, just what you said, it goes right back against what the team's saying. If, if Latifi has a, a guaranteed seat, why aren't they letting him go out in FP1 to kind of keep getting reps and getting used to the car and trying to find an unlocked pace? I don't know. I don't buy it. I think it's really fishy. I think it's really fishy. Sam, like, what, like gun to head, do you think that Latifi ends 2022 in a Williams, in an F1 seat in general? Yes, I've been firm on this. I think all this is rumors. And to your point earlier, they... they 
like the money coming in. And I'm not saying that he's going to be in this seat next year because I do think they're going to make a move after the season, but I don't see them moving him mid-season. I, I just think there's too much that goes on behind the scenes with the funding, and I, I just don't see him getting moved. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, you know, I could go both ways on it. It's hard because he's been so poor that I could see him getting kicked out. I definitely agree. He's, after this year, there's no way he keeps his seat. There's just no possibility. I think they've got a lot of momentum with Albon to kind of get some sponsors and say, hey, like, listen, we've got some pay and next year, they're going to have to find that second driver. But it's definitely not Latifi. But to your point this year, this is kind of like got a vibe of where Haas didn't develop the car in 21. And they were just kind of biding their time for like 2022. This kind of has a very like, let's just bide our time, get through 2022, really double down on Albon. And then in 23, let's shake things up, bring somebody in who has some pace. And maybe we get some better sponsors out of it. Yeah, it's almost like they're milking Latifi's dad for as much money as they can while they can. Exactly. You know, while the horses, while the pig and, and the, uh, or while the cow is nice and fat let's kind of try and get as much beef off the bone as we can exactly Um, speaking of getting a lot of fat and beef off the bone this past weekend charles leclerc had an unbelievable opportunity he was racing the nikki lauda historic iconic formula one car in the original monaco grand prix but similar to some of his qualifyings in the past he crashed the car i mean guys i'm not a leclerc hater obviously i don't root for him this year but like i like the guy but man what an embarrassing moment for chucky leclerc he crashes the the late nicky lauda's iconic formula one ferrari into the wall in monaco stefano you've been a long time ferrari guy let's start with you i need your reaction to this this is like a headline i never thought I thought it was like a fake headline when I woke up Sunday morning. I thought so too. But when I when I came to the realization that it actually did happen, I was just like, oh, why did this have to, have to happen to Chuck? I personally don't read into it that much as far as like how it's going to affect him. I personally put more stock into Max overtaking him in Miami, affecting his his psyche going into Spain. That's going to that's going to affect him a little bit more. But I mean, I'm pretty sure it was just like the like, kind of like a parade lap or whatever going around Monaco in that 70s F1 car. I, mean, I think it was just more for the spectacle than anything else. But those older cars are tough to drive, completely different powertrains, completely different gearbox. I mean, they use an H pattern manual rather than the, the sequential F1 transmissions that you see nowadays so he's not really used to it totally different size car too it's like tiny compared to the modern one so he kind of had his hands full just dry, getting it around a track and the turn that he crashed it into Raskas, that's a pretty popular crashing turn either involuntary or voluntary depending on who you talk to in relation to the crash gate controversy about 10-15 years ago with Michael Schumacher so Stefano you said something interesting though and I want Sam's opinion you said that you think that Max overtaking Charles in Miami on I think it was like lap six or seven or so caused more damage to his psyche and I'm not going to debate more or less but Sam my question is do you even think that that overtake had any effect on Charles Leclerc's psyche in terms of the overall championship race or do you think that that's a little bit of of fake news yeah no I don't and I think him crashing Nicky Lotta's car at Monaco is actually worse I I hate it having my boy Chuck and it's just turning into like Monaco's just cursed for him now. And I think it's a, it's a really terrible omen. It's kind of like speed at Augusta on 12 now. It's like you can't really get over it. Like I- I'm afraid that our boy Chuck Leclerc can't get over this bad luck at Monaco thing. And this is just kind of another chapter in it. So I'm worried. When I heard this news, I was worried. I was like, oh no, this is a terrible omen. 
And I don't like it. It's very concerning for me. Yeah, but at the same time, I remember in our group chat, I was like, I hope he got, I hope he guys crashing tendencies out of his system early and he can have a, a free and clear Monaco GP. Yeah, but what if he doesn't? What if this is kind of like the Chuck LeClaire at Monaco? I got to say, guys, the only person who would actually have like a really good insight to this is our, our boy, Willie T. Ribs. He would definitely have a really good perspective. Can I say, why do they even have him out on the track in a, a 50-year-old car? Like, what are we doing right now? What, what do you think is going to happen driving a 50-year-old car like at 100 miles an hour? What is the point of it? Why are they doing it? And why are we putting him in that type of car knowing that this could happen? Is it even the real car? Yeah, it's the real car. Here's my question, though, to you guys. Are the current F1 drivers better or worse than the original like 70s, 80s drivers? Because these guys, they've got multiple buttons. They've got like technology. They've got data points. They've got they got the paddles to play around with. And like the old school cars, like those guys were shifting gears. They had zero data points. They had probably zero headsets. They were just kind of going out. They didn't have any like simulators. They were just kind of guys that had guts going out on track and just putting in their best lap times in cars with no halos, no electronic dashboard, just kind of changing gears with their stick shift. And now you got these guys that are basically like superstars with like, you know, video games on track. So he couldn't handle Nicky Lauda's original car. So like, who's a better driver, Nicky Lauda or Charles Leclerc? This is a tough question because you're talking about different era comparisons. Yeah, well, like this is the age old debate, LeBron versus Jordan. Who's the better, who's the best of all time? It's a tough one to answer. And I mean, the cars, back, the cars back then were way harder to I'll drive. answer it. Max would shove Nicky Lauda off the track and into a ditch. I mean, th- these new drivers would absolutely stuff those old guys in a locker. Oh, so you think he'd have like the James Hunt approach? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, and Nick, going back in time, Nicky Lauda still has face burns because of Max Verstappen, just yeah. like James Hunt. No, I have to disagree with Sam. The older drivers are much better. I don't know, man. I'll put it this way: it's kind of the comparison of like, are you smarter than like Christopher Columbus? Like, he doesn't know how to use technology in an iPhone. Like, I don't think Nicky Lauda can get behind the car and handle all the different like bells and whistles that these guys have to unlock the pace. You're underestimating these older guys. I mean, you're talking about. I think you're overestimating them. Yeah, I feel like these guys that are your heroes are just kind of like the game has passed them by stuff now it's like you throw babe ruth out there in an mlb game today he's getting jacked up four home runs and he's striking out five times put the current stock of f1 drivers in the older cars and like shifting like four different gears going like 80 miles an hour chuck couldn't even get it around a track okay put these guys in the older f1 cars see how they handle it okay take a look at a 70s f1 car side by side to a modern f1 car first of all it looks like a go-kart next to it because it's so tiny all right it's going to be lively as hell around the track you got the h pattern shifter the car is chucking out four or five hundred horsepower to tires with basically no grip at all so not only do you have to fight the car going around the track you got to fight the track itself all right stefano here gun to head who do you have your f1 fantasy all-time classic team you take mickey lauda or charles leclerc neither well, you have to. Can I pick a different driver? Nope, nope. I'm gonna. I got two more for you. Nicky Lauda or Charles Leclerc to build your like, your constructor team. Uh, I'm taking Nicky Lauda. Okay, you got James Hunt or Max Verstappen. <sighs> That's a tough one. I'm taking Max. Ayrton Senna or Lewis Hamilton. Ayrton Senna. Give me, give, give me, give me Leclerc. Max and Hamilton. Yeah, every day of the week. Every day of the week, give me the modern guys. Those guys those guys could just unlock pace. They would shove those guys into lockers. They get on the track and they could just shove those guys into a locker. Speaking of getting shoved into lockers, we gotta change gears here. Sam, you've wanted to shove this guy in a locker. You got your wish. End of Abu Dhabi, the most controversial race director of all time, Michael Massey. He got 
the boot after Abu Dhabi. New person came in, new president, kind of revamped a little bit of it. They have multiple race directors. They're not broadcasting anything. They have got one line of communication. For those new listeners, the race directors are kind of, they're like the referees. They dictate who gets penalties. They make sure that like teams are, if they're illegally overtaking, they have to give positions back. Last year at the end of the season, there was a massive controversial call where within one lap left, lapped cars were able to unlap themselves from the safety car, but only a handful, which basically just allowed Max and Lewis to have like a one one lap shootout. Twitter went up in a roar. The race director, there was only one, Michael Massey. He was absolutely ousted. He got kicked out of the race director seat. But now, as of today, the guy who was shoved in a locker may have jiggled the lock and gotten himself out. Rumor has it, Sam, he might be coming back as one of the three race directors. What's your reaction to this? I'm hot. I mean, this literally ruined my day. So, you know, let me get this straight. Five races into the start of a season, a great season, I might add. F1 is quote unquote open to bringing back the guy they just fired two months ago for ruining the climax of the greatest F1 season in the history of the sport because you want to bring in a third race director. How many steps backward is that, Sam? I don't even know where to begin, Stefano. If any high level executives are listening to this podcast right now, I'm going to give you a suggestion on how to handle the situation. Hire absolutely anybody in the whole entire world besides Mike Massey. Anybody. Anybody. I looked up Michael Massey's background, specifically background in F1. Was he driver, engineer? I don't know. Some sort of role in F1 that gave him some unparalleled experience that would make it understandable to bring him back two months after you just fired him for ruining one of the most dramatic moments in sports history. And what did I find? What did I find? Nothing. The guy has as much experience in an F1 car that I do. He has absolutely no experience in F1 prior to becoming the race director in 2018. He barely has any experience whatsoever in motorsports. What does Michael Massey know about the president of the FIA? That he is even in consideration to get brought back and get another shot at this director role. Seriously, like, what does he know about the FIA director? I don't get it. Hire someone who has some sort of understanding of modern day racing and how F1 should be properly directed, and what's going to bring the most viewers in, what's going to give the most excitement, but what's going to be the most fair on the track. Like I'm talking even outside the box, someone like Jolene Palmer or Nico Rosberg, anyone who has been in the car and has some sort of understanding how these races should be directed in 2022. I mean, I'm enraged right now. You know, I, 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 hold on, Matt. Hold on, Matt. I'd go as far as saying, if Michael Massey gets rehired as the F1 race director, I may have no other choice but to boycott the sport. I'm not kidding. I'm that upset. You're saying the fastest growing podcast in the world of F1 is going to boycott the sport that it loves so dearly? (laughs) I may have no other choice. They're pinning me against a wall by even considering bringing this guy back. This absolute clown show. I'm in solidarity. I I can't. In good conscience, I cannot watch a race that that guy is the race director of. Hell yeah. I totally agree. Unless he wants to come on the podcast and debate us about why he should get his job back. Unless he does that, I can't watch a race that he's the race director of. Debate us, as they say in Spain, mano a mano. Mano a mano, or Mm. mano a trois mano, for those French speakers out there, for the three manos. But Sam, let me ask you this, though. So, I, I totally get it. 
But the change that they made at Abu Dhabi last year was to bring on three race directors for every race to kind of do a balance of power so that no Why does he have to be one of them, Matt? I don't get it. Question. But does that alleviate your concerns anymore if there's like a balance of power? He's not the guy with his finger on the button. Yeah, no, I don't hate that. I think that's a that's a fair idea. And I'm that's got nothing to do with why I'm so mad. I'm fine with a three race director method they have in place. They there needed some sort of change to what they were doing before. So three's fine. One of the three does not have to be the guy you just fired two months ago for ruining an incredible moment. Well, to your point too, and this is what's so interesting because like if you look at the rules of how F1 should be governed and how races should be directed from these guys, you could argue if you go through the rule book, there's maybe some areas great, but it's really not. There's it's pretty black and white stuff. Like you can't weave on track in combat. That's pretty clear. They've changed the rule now for if there's a safety car. Now, all unlapped cars must or can overtake the safety car and to unlap themselves. But they don't need to catch the back of the pack for somebody to say, it's go time, right? If you, there's space, you should be allowed space. Every race, they talk to these drivers and say, yeah, this turn, you have a little bit of leeway with track limits, but you can't overtake off the track. You give the position back. So like, there's so much of this sport that actually is black and white. And honestly, compared to most other sports, they've got so much data that they know when there's a yellow double waved yellow flag they can see in the data if you lift or not like it's and they have the time to give these penalties you can do a five second penalty at the end of the race you could do a stop and go penalty when you go into the pits there's so much leeway in these races for somebody who doesn't need to make a split second decision like in basketball or in football where the margin of error is milliseconds these guys take their time it's like this will be noted by the stewards and evaluated after the session it's like these guys have all the time in the world they can do appeals people do protests so it's like what i don't understand is a to your point somebody with zero experience who gets it so wrong doesn't even need to be Rosberg or Palmer. I'm sure neither one of those guys would make any more money than they do today doing it. But like, I like you could be do a better job than Michael Massey. Like any F1 fan could probably go into that third race director seat, probably get paid like 100 euro a year, 100k euro a year, do a fantastic job. Somebody with zero motorsport, we went motor racing. He doesn't even know what that means. How how is that even possible? Like I don't get it. Why? To your point, why of the six and a half billion people on the planet, do we have to go back to the well with the guy who ruined the entire season last year? Yeah, it's mind boggling. Stefano, you've got to like got to have a reaction to this after years of Formula One experience. And when you were in the seat, what were you thinking like as when race director was coming down and kind of making these changes? Well, when I watched the race last last season and I saw that decision made, I was like, what the hell is he doing? What the hell is going on right now? I've never, ever, ever seen something like that in the sport in my life. And then when I saw them, like you said, reaching back into the well to bring him back, I was like, this this isn't real. Not just Formula One, but no no self-respecting entity, company, whatever would fire somebody. And then a couple months later, be like, oh, we actually don't want to fire him anymore. He does a good job. Like, no, you fired him because you said he did a bad job. You fired him because there was widespread backlash against his decision. Okay, why are you bringing him back so that he can make another mistake again and potentially decide a championship just without thought? So I'm not in favor of this. What I found particularly surprising, though, was I I did a little bit of digging into this and I saw that ahead of the Miami Grand Prix, fans on Twitter were calling for Massey to stand in for the racing directors there because they were stricken with COVID. And I was like, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense. Fans hate this guy. Why do they want him back? So I don't know. The whole situation regarding this guy, it's mind blowing 
annoying, contradictory, all the negative words that you can think of surround this guy. Get him as far away from the sport as possible. He deserves no consideration for any role whatsoever in the future. Just get him out. It's rare that we're this lockstep on a, on a topic as we are right now. Dude, hell yeah. That which says a lot. This is three race directors coming up with a unanimous decision right here. This is how it should be done. This is what should be happening. And you know what? I got to go out on a limb and say this other thing too. Coming off of last season, I actually despised the rule change that they're not broadcasting the race director radios. Because you know what? That is the ultra most insane form of transparency and yeah we can see it and self-regulate for ourselves i understand it caused a lot of controversy on twitter it made the max versus lewis stands go even deeper at each other latifi got a ton of hate that's gonna happen in any sport with any type of last second call by a referee umpire anything right where they had to make a decision on the field they have to stick with it that sucks but in my opinion, losing transparency is not the answer. Keep broadcasting it. Now, people jockeying for position from like team principals, like you had both. All year long, you have Toto Wolf and Christian Horner equally culpable for going on to the race director and begging and pleading their case. It should be the race director should be telling them what the rule is, what they're supposed to do, hard stop, and there should not be another line back to them. It should be, I can hear the race director say, Christian, Max needs to give that position back. And Christian should not be able to argue with him. It's that's the rule. That's it. It's done. Same thing with Toto. But like for them to know, for us to not even know what's being said, I think is kind of like insulting to the fans. Yeah. And the fact that we're discussing race directors and stewards and that sort of thing is sort of against the spirit of the sport too. Like these guys should be relatively anonymous. Yeah. It's it's yeah. one of those it's like that old adage, the best referee is the referee you never see in a game. I should know Michael Massey's name. You shouldn't. And it's a shame that I do. It's a shame that I hate someone as much as I do. Yeah. But this is where we're left now. I hate Michael Massey. Luckily for us, I don't think it's gonna impact Spain. We'll be staying close to this story. I know Sam, you'll be monitoring this. I would really hate for us to boycott F one because you know the fastest growing F one podcast in the world cannot really afford to lose sessions. But out of solidarity, we might need to say, Hey, you know, we're not going to speak or watch until Michael Massey out should be trending again on Twitter. But Sam, we'll stay close to this one. Guys, I really hope we don't see Michael Massey directing a race once again. I'd love to see Nico Ross, but it'd be pretty cool. But again, I'd want to hear him talking. So, um, But anyway, let's move on to Spain. So race week, Spanish Grand Prix, back in Europe, a track that everybody here knows and loves, lots of history. It's going to be the first of many European races super technical circuit a racetrack that sam you and i loved to race in our formula one video games 16 turns two drs zones so not the three that you've been hoping for sam drsl you just got the two which is you know that one along the pit wall uh coming down to that first turn and then that one long back straight after uh turn nine heading into turn 10 which was a turn you and i always struggled with in the video game 66 laps 308 kilometers Start with you, Stefano. What's your view for the race? The track is a, a proper curtain raiser to the European calendar. I mentioned this in my blog post. Um, as far as the track itself, highly technical. I think it's going to really reward cars that have a more aerodynamic setup, more powerful engines and, and that sort of thing. Won't really see much of an advantage as far as this track is concerned compared to tracks we've seen 
already in the calendar, Miami and, and Saudi Arabia I'm looking at. But I think that being said, depending on what kind of upgrades teams bring into into the Grand Prix, we're gonna see we're gonna see some good racing. Then again, one of the things that I noticed looking into the race a little bit here is just the fans sort of negative perception of the Spanish Grand Prix. It's not really seen as a very interesting race just because of how familiar teams are to the track. It's the first first practice session of the year, the preseason curtain raiser. Every team practices here in February. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what teams can bring to the track this coming Sunday to really uh, catch our eyes. You know, pretty cool past winners. I think you're you're right. I think it's going to be really interesting, very technical. We're going to be looking towards the aerodynamics of these cars and how the teams are kind of fared out on track. But what's really interesting is last five race winners, and this will tickle Sam's fancy, Lewis Hamilton and the Mercedes, the last five Spanish Grand Prix race winners. Red Bull has not won at Spain since... Max Verstappen's debut race in 2016, May 15th, where he won his very first race and his very first debut in a Red Bull racing car. Back then, it was the Red Bull racing tag her. But since then, Lewis Hamilton dominated. And even in 2016, the only reason Max won was because actually Lewis and teammate Nico Rosberg got into a little tussle, crashed into each other. So really, Max has never really beaten Lewis here, you know, save that crash with his own teammate. And I think Mercedes is maybe due, and it's definitely a track that suits Ferrari. But Sam, what's your thoughts on Spain with five-time Lewis Hamilton winner? So first off, to what Stefano said, I noticed the same thing. I was pretty shocked to see all the Twitter talking heads complaining about how much they didn't like Spain. I, I was pretty surprised at that and thought it was interesting. So I'm hoping that all the talking heads can once again be proven wrong and we get a great race on Sunday. That's the first thing I'm focused on. I think it's a welcome sight for some of these teams to see a more technical racetrack rather than these like speed traps that we saw at Miami and Saudi Arabia. So I think that'll be a nice change of pace. And I'm excited to, to see that and more technical racing. To your point about Mercedes. So I know we're going to get into some upgrade talk in a little bit, but I was pretty shocked to hear wasn't, I didn't see much discussion this week about any Mercedes upgrades uh, for Barcelona and, and couldn't really find any chatter about it on Twitter, any articles, which tells me one of two things is probably the case this week for them. Either they're bringing something sick, some sort of dope package this weekend, very undercover, get rid of the porpoising, gain like 0.7 seconds per lap, and they're squarely back in the mix, or they're royally screwed, and they're already up against the budget cap and have sort of waved the white flag, and they're just going to kind of rest on their laurels of having great track record here. So I don't know. It's, I think it's an interesting weekend for Mercedes and they're kind of squarely at the top of the teams I'm looking towards. I'm really hoping it's the first scenario I describe, but it's a toss up. I, I could see it going either way. So it's interesting because in Miami, they seem to be showing some pretty solid pace and free practice. Also in Imola, they were, they were showing some really solid pace in, in practice and qualifying. Obviously the rain kind of came out and they, uh, they lost a little bit there. I truly think, and to Stefano's point on the podcast last weekend, the European circuit is going to favor some of these more aerodynamic and these kind of technically correct cars. 
I think where Mercedes has struggled predominantly is more straight line speed. The porpoising has been down the straights. So if they are kind of getting that porpoising under control, which it looked like in free practice, they were in Miami and Lewis looked pretty sharp. Russell has been Mr. Consistent all year. I'm not counting out, I, you know, the upgrade game. I read something that Mercedes was bringing upgrades. That's what I saw. So like I go back to what you said, I think a week or two ago on the other episodes, like you can't, nobody knows what these upgrade reports are real or not. Right. But I think what they brought to Miami was like a big step in the right direction and going into a track like Spain where it's technical and you know they have really struggled with just pure straight line speed they don't need that as much here right like you can kind of get away with it and even last year they beat Red Bull on a two-stop strategy and so maybe they bring some strategy into it this is obviously a track with like a lot of Mercedes success before you know 2016 it was Mercedes 2014 Mercedes 2015 max with the nico and and lewis crash then mercedes 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 so like in the last eight races mercedes has won seven times so like this is a track that they know if they solved some of the porpoising they've got two very capable drivers they might be bringing some other upgrades it seemed like what they did in miami worked in a track that was like really hot they seem to be pretty decent in imola they're not that far off the pace but like they should be competing for a podium with like checo and signs Maybe not Max and Charles, right? Like those guys that maybe like are just in a league of their own at this point, but like, why not challenge a podium and reliability? Who knows? Maybe they get a double podium this weekend. Like, you know, Max and Checo, you know, missing out. Maybe like Lewis just splits the two Ferraris or George Russell does. Like I could see that being pretty interesting result for them. So for me, my team to watch this week is actually Mercedes, to be honest with you. I like that, Matt. But I think it's I think it's a little too soon for Mercedes to really challenge for for podium places consistently, I suppose. I definitely see them having some success this season, but I don't think it's going to be this race. Now we get into the European calendar. I think that they'll really come into their own. I'm looking particularly at George Russell. I think he's due a race win. Lewis Hamilton should probably have some success in the next few races, but I think in Spain, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Okay. Well, so, you know, another team that supposedly, as of nine hours ago this morning, F1.com is reporting that signs looking to wow at home and all eyes on upgrades for Ferrari. Sam, you've been the, you hate the upgrade rumors. Do you buy or sell this upgrade rumor? So, yeah, they're, they're the big one with the upgrade talk this week. A lot of pressure on them to answer Red Bull's elite setup they had in Miami. And <laughs> I'm going to regret this, but this is one I actually believe. I'm, I'm probably falling for the cheese again. And you know, after the race, you know, they'll say something like, no, no, it was minimal. We're saving something for you know whatever race down the line. But it does feel like Ferrari knows how important this one is. And they've got to stop that momentum that Red Bull has built over the past few weeks and, and counterpunch how fast that car has become. So I am expecting Ferrari to, to bring something big this weekend, some sort of, you know, monster upgrade. And, and I think we see uh, an improved Ferrari car this weekend. So again, I'm, follow, I'm probably falling for it. And I know I vowed to not believe these rumors, but I believe this one. And I think Ferrari's coming with something big. Stefano from like our other Ferrari guy, do you buy or sell that rumor? Buy it because they've got to make an upgrade. I looked into it too, and I saw that they're addressing some airflow concerns with the upgrades, hopefully trying to reduce some tire degradation that really cost them speed in the corners in Miami. You know, like Sam said, we could we could be falling for 
another smoke and mirrors type situation, but I, I put a lot of stock in this one, especially because I'll tease a little bit to uh, an upcoming blog post. Shameless plug, I have to say, but Red Bull could have figured out what uh, what the deal is with Ferrari. I and mean, Ferrari's really going to have to start reacting to some of the performance from the Red Bulls on the track. So this is all to be decided. We'll see what's going to happen on Sunday. It seems like for the top three teams this year, Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes in that order, two of them are really hinting at some stuff that might be coming down the pipe. Ferrari seems to be like the one with you know massive upgrades. For, and also, they're the team that really hasn't brought anything all year. Like in Miami, they basically had the exact same racing cars, Bahrain, some setup changes. Maybe they unlocked a little bit of the engines and then they had to give some some new engines uh, to, to signs. But it, like they're also the only team on the grid this year. I feel like that has brought zero upgrades. So if there was ever a race, it's this one. Also, Carlos Sainz, home race. So, you know, for our predictions later on, Sam, I, I must have like at least eight of you, Carlos Sainz will win a race this year. Carlos Sainz will win a race this year. We'll get to this later on. It's his home race. So I, I'm hoping this might be one of your bold predictions later on in the episode. But Red Bull doesn't seem like the one that's actually bringing anything this week. And they've got pure pace and they're not really an aerodynamically set up car. So I'm curious, like, where do you guys see this race kind of shaking out with those those three teams in what order do you think we see maybe just kind of pace rate race pace coming out of practice heading into qualifying i definitely see ferrari as the the pace markers here i definitely see them gonna being fast at this at this track so far this season they've definitely been the team that is the benchmark for sort of fast single laps so if you're if we're going to base it around practice and qualifying i definitely think that they're going to set the pace there it's really going to be a question of how they can manage uh, a new arrow setup if that's really going to be if that rumor is true because we're taking into account a vastly different circuit than what we saw at miami we're seeing we're seeing i think like at, at least five or six different changes of direction than than what we saw in miami plus more elevation changes plus we're gonna have to factor in a pretty notorious crosswind situation i know in, in the past crosswinds have very, have affected qualifying and race pace as well so we're gonna have to factor that in as well i mean miami had kind of dead air as far as that's concerned with weather effects so there's going to be a lot more factors to to consider in this race but i can definitely see ferrari setting the pace and then red bull coming in coming in behind i mean their engine is just way too powerful to count out. You can lose as much speed as you want in the corners, but on that main straight, you're going to gain it all back. So I definitely see those as, again, being the two teams to beat. I kind of agree with you there. I think it's a kind of a dominant track, or it's a, a track that favors the Ferrari car by far and away, the Red Bull car. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if the teams can find anything. I, I keep holding my breath. Every race, I feel like there's another Red Bull reliability issue we saw with Checo. So I'm really hoping that, that they can Yeah, those are the wild cards for sure. Yeah, I'm hoping that they walk away from this weekend with like no reliability scares from FP1 through race finish. Like let's have no engines catching on fire. Let's have no heavy wheels. Let's have no, I'm losing power down the street. Like fail mode zero. Like let's, let's try and like have a clean racing weekend. And if we take third and fourth, so be it. Second and fourth so be it maybe even challenge a race win but um yeah you know i think those three teams are who i'm looking towards sam do you have, who are you looking towards i know you've been all over alpine and haas this year who do you have for this weekend as kind of having like a really positive strong weekend that's kind of in that best of the rest category so first of all i'll say i agree with both your points i think between the track setup and the upgrades being brought to the weekend i, I think ferrari's got the advantage this weekend. So I look for them to kind of lead the pack and, and Red Bull be behind them. And surprisingly, 
like we talked about a little earlier, I think we see Mercedes kind of enter the picture this weekend and uh, we, we see them close that gap a bit. Uh, another couple teams that I have circled for big weekends, again, Alpine, I think their car has been really fast and I think they've underperformed based on the, the form that that car has been in. You look at Fernando Alonso, a couple late penalties in Miami, cost him points, pretty reckless finish to that race. He only has two points and arguably the third, the fast, fastest car in the grid pretty consistently, you know, out of the team, team wise. And looking at the standings, there's only three teams that have teammates with a bigger point discrepancy than Alpine does with, with Alcon and Alonso. And that's Ferrari, McLaren and Alfa Romeo. So I think you got to look towards Alpine this weekend as needing another big week and specifically Fernando Alonso. So I look towards him to perform well this weekend. And then another team I have my eye on is Haas. They're not bringing any upgrades. They're, they're, you know, pacing themselves and and are going to hold off until a little later in the year. Apparently they have zero momentum right now and we're awful, you know, in Miami, we saw what happened with them. They, they had the car, to be even double points and and totally squander that opportunity. It was driver error though, Sam. It was user error there, which is why I wouldn't be surprised to see them at least score some points this weekend. I think they need to. I think they're they have put themselves against the wall where if they don't get this momentum back, they're in some trouble. We could see them slip. So they're another team I'm I'm looking at this weekend as a team that needs to score some points. Um, so yeah, that, that, that that's kind of where my focus is is being shifted towards. Can we just talk about how unlucky L Plan has been this year? I mean, talk about a guy who had some unbelievable pace. He finished top 10 in Bahrain. That was the first time he scored points. He finished P9. DNF in Saudi Arabia due to an engine power failure issue. 17th in Australia after almost taking pole with that little late crash into the wall right at the the, the penultimate turn. Then DNF in Imola because he got crashed into by Mick Schumacher, lost his side pod, had to retire. And then Miami, he ended up finishing P11 with, I think he got three five-second penalties, two five-second five second time penalties because he cut that chicane on turns 14 through 16 because that chicane was just like a joke. But just absolutely terrible luck for El Plan. So, Sam, to your point, home race for him too, the Spaniard next to Carlos Sainz. This is a guy you definitely got to think he's he's got his eyes on top five, right? At least maybe even a podium if he can. Yeah, it's, a it's, it's been so brutal for him. And to put it into context, if he had if he, he should realistically have somewhere around like 16 points, I'd say 16, 17 points. So Akon's 24. If he has that, I mean, they're they're right up with McLaren and potentially in that fourth spot, which yeah. is probably where they belong based on how fast that car has been. So it's, yeah, it's been a, a crazy disappointing start to the season for him. So I think he's feeling the pressure and, and I definitely think we see energized and motivated El Plan this weekend. I totally agree. And especially when you look at his teammate outside of Imola, he's finished in the top 10. He's got a P7, P6, P7, P8, P8 in Miami. He started from the back of the grid. He started P20. I mean, you had both Aston Martin starting out of the pit lanes because of a fuel-related penalty that they had to change the fuel out and they didn't have time. But, like, this Alpine 
is certainly something that you would think is challenging Mercedes with, right? And they've got the pace. They got good, two really good and solid drivers. No one needs to talk about, you know, Fernando Alonso's CV. He's clearly a dominant driver and he's a world champion. Home race for him, just hard luck with the engines and some crashes that weren't even his fault. He was just an innocent bystander. Hard luck. I agree. I'm, I'm really rooting for El Plan this weekend. And if we see a couple crashes and maybe like a Red Bull reliability issue, I would be surprised if you see El Plan standing on a podium in Spain. Alcon is 5-0 and against Alonso this year. That's just something to keep in mind. And and one of those stats that if, if I were to tell, tell you, you know, two months ago that that was going to happen through five races, you'd probably call me crazy. So just something to keep in mind. I don't know about that. 5-0? and Really? 5-0 and from El Plan against Alcon? I'd be surprised. Uh, when you factor in his age and where he's at in his career, I mean, obviously we can expect more, but I think Alpine wants Ocon as their main guy you know there's not much left in the tank for alonso anyway there's probably going to be some some races i'm looking at spain obviously because this is his home race where he has uh, a point to prove or has a little little fire in the tank but the guy i think he's like 40 or 41 something like that he's an old guy now i mean you're talking about alonso who finished ahead of Ocon in, in the points last year you really think that they thought he'd be 0-5 against his teammate through five races after he finished ahead of him in the points last year? I don't think they thought that. I think they thought it would be a little bit more even, but at the same time, I'm not entirely surprised. We're all, we are talking about someone like Fernando Lazo who has no luck at all. I'm looking specifically at the 2012 season when he was pipped to the title by Patel on the final race, and there were some developments earlier in that season where if luck had gone one way or another, we would, we'd be talking about triple world champion Fernando Alonso, not double world champion Fernando Alonso. So when you talk about someone who doesn't have luck on his side like that guy, El Plan definitely is the most unlucky driver, and especially this year, he should he he deserves to Sam's point, he doesn't deserve to be five and zero teammates. Two of those are from DNFs. So who's to say? I mean, I think he was actually challenging his teammate back in in Saudi Arabia. So you know, sounds like Stefano, you're not surprised at all, Sam. I'm quite surprised to see a five and zero stat out of him. That's a nice little plug, though. I mean, speaking of five and zero in race matchups, you're eleven and one this year. So for all of our listeners, be sure to check out Sam's bets and, and race matchup picks Saturday after qualifying. Follow us at, at in, the, in the points underscore in the points and you can find Sam's race matchups. Follow him. He's the hottest hand in the league. So Stefano, who do you have? Who are you watching out for this weekend? Other than obviously, you know, you're a big Ferrari guy. We got the battle at the top. Maybe Mercedes will creep back in somewhere and challenge somebody in qualifying. Maybe set some fastest times in FP1, FP2, FP3. But then I think the race will probably normalize them out. Who are you watching and looking for this race weekend to have like a solid weekend? Well, uh, you guys stole a little bit of my thunder. I was looking at I was looking at Fernando Alonso throughout the race because I'm hoping that he has a, a good showing. I would love to see him on the podium. I don't know if he has... I don't know if he has enough pace to get onto the podium, assuming there's no rebel reliability issues or any sort of crazy happenings going on in the race. But I'm hoping he has a high points finish uh, this coming weekend. So I'm looking at Fernando. I'm also looking at Sebastian uh, Sebastian Patel. He had his race cut short by uh, his good friend, Mick Schumacher. That guy's not a Schumacher. According to your buddy Patel, He's not a Schumacher. No way that guy's a Schumacher. Well, we'll see. I'm also looking at Mick this weekend, too. I think he has a point to prove following the the, the news after Miami. So I think he's going to drive with uh, with some motivation. 
going into Spain. So I'm looking at them. I'm also looking at Lando. I'm hoping he's going to get in the points this week following disaster in Miami. And then I'm also looking at Lewis Hamilton as well, the king of Spain recently. So king of Spain. we'll see. We'll see how he performs. I think Lando, it's funny because like he's been so hard on his team this year with the car and he's just been like, we have a shit car. And, you know, I'm shocked you have Aston Martin with that pick of a car. But for Lando, you know, it's funny because I view this season so far, like I feel like this, the more predictable race comparison is probably Imola compared to everything that we've raced so far this year. I feel like Miami, Jeddah, Bahrain, even maybe Tossin, Australia somewhat, like they're all kind of similar style tracks, like low downforce, high speed straights, like lots of DRS, really favors the most powerful car, not necessarily technically set up as well as as the rest in terms of downforce and aero. Versus like Imola, I mean, the rain kind of took a little bit of that away, but that's kind of more of like an aero track. And I think you saw... Lando be super competitive there. And I said it last week in Miami, he had hard luck with a lockup. I think you're going to see a good race out of Valtteri Bot ass um, after his most recent pictures. So I think that's another person to look out for. I think Alfa Romeo with that Ferrari power unit. It's just going to be a track that might favor a car like that and a driver who, like Valtteri, is very familiar with the track. He knows how to be on in the top three and the racing lines to take there. And then the other two that I'm watching for this weekend for different reasons. Can Danny Ricardo do something this weekend? I, I don't think he can. I, God, I think I'm hoping that he can. doesn't have a good enough car. And I think he's, first off, we've talked about before, he's past his peak, but I think he's just a head case at this point. Like, I think he has got so much self doubt and negative self talk that he just talks himself right out of like performance. And then the other guy that I love to watch and I'm rooting for this year, guys, the redhead, the newest redhead, Alex Albon. I want to see that Williams like break into Q2 and do something and i think they don't have that power unit the way that you know red bull and ferrari do but i think they've got something figured out with alex and how they set up that car that he might be able to like get some pace out of this technical track maybe not on the straights and he may be not in the top of the the straight line speed but Man, and, and also, I'm just really rooting for him to, like, widen that spread between Latifi. Like, a Latifi P20 and, a, and like, a Albon P7 would, like, make me the happiest person in the world. But that's who I'm looking for this weekend. Can I just say, Matt, another guy I'm looking out for is Latifi. I think we've got our buddy, buddy Ernie in his ear for the first time this weekend. I think so. Could be could be the difference maker having Earn Dog in his ear, race engineer. So we'll, we'll be on the lookout for a strong Latifi performance and hopefully hearing Ernie over the uh, the team radio a couple times during the race. Totally agree. I think, I think you know, Ernie started last week, big friend of the program. We're a big friend of the Williams program. I hope that he's got, you know, he's taken his, his framework to Latifi, really calming him down, reinvigorating that confidence in him. Maybe that's what Latifi needs to have, like Ernie just kind of settling him in and let him unlock the pace of that car. But yeah, I mean, the other person I'm looking for too, maybe Pierre Gasly to have a, a strong weekend. I think last weekend he crashed into Lando. Lando was very vocal about how pissed he was. He's like, if you're going to retire, just get out of the way. And like, I don't know what you're doing. But, you know, I think Pierre Gasly has like another, you know, good weekend out of him. Is what I'm looking to see too. But there's a lot of stuff that could happen here. This is a track that, you know, goes a long ways back. So very different than Miami. Lots of teams have binders and books full on how to set up a car. Mercedes is one of them. They know exactly how to set up a car for Spain. Clearly, seven out of the last eight race wins, uh, six from Lewis, one from Nico. And then 
I'm looking at Max six years later from his debut. Maybe he comes back in. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He hasn't won in Spain in a long time. He has one there, but like also a home race for Carlos Sainz. Guys, let's move on to our, our part of the podcast where we have predictions. So for our new listeners, every single week, midweek before practice, the only podcast that does it before practice, because it's really easy once you follow practice to start putting in predictions. Pre-practice, no car seen on track. We predict pole winner and then P1 through P3 for the race. So who will stand on the podium and who will sit on pole? Sam, I'm going to start with you. Race weekend, give us your predictions. So I'm going to start with the race. And I've been pretty conservative with my picks. I've, I've picked my race winners. I'm four and one on race winners this year. I've been fairly conservative, obviously correct, but fairly conservative with my picks. I'm changing things up. I think we see some crazy stuff this weekend. Hell yeah. I think we see Carlos Sainz with his first win of the year in his Ferrari. I think we see Charles Leclerc come in second with a one-two finish for Ferrari. And then rounding out the podium, I think we get the Prince, Sir Lewis Hamilton, third for Mercedes. Uh, we see him... Get back on the podium. We see Mercedes make a big jump. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some reliability issues for Red Bull as they chase this weekend instead of be out in front. And so I see a Ferrari 1-2 with Mercedes running off the podium. And on pole, I think we see Carlos Sainz with his upgrades take pole position. And that gets him up front, start the race, and, and he brings it home. So you have Carlos Sainz on pole, Carlos Sainz race winner, Charles Leclerc P2, Lewis Hamilton, P3, and you're thinking, what, Max's engine like fails and he has a DNF? I think we see a little reliability issues. Um, not sure if it knocks the cars out of the race, but I don't think we see either Red Bull on the podium this weekend. Okay, interesting. So, bold prediction. Carlos Sainz, home race. Looks like he's got a lot of upgrades. He was just under two-tenths off the pace of his teammate last weekend in Miami for, for pole. He obviously out-qualified Max Verstappen by 0.01 seconds. I mean, I don't hate that Lewis Hamilton prediction, Sam. In, in Q2, Lewis set a pace just beneath Carlos Sainz, you know? So, like, been chipping away. They've been top five in the in the points all year, like, with George Russell. So, like, there's something I think you're right. Lewis knows this track really well. Maybe they pulled a strategy play, right? Last year they did a two-stopper and they caught Red Bull, and maybe they do something like that this year, and tires have been a big issue. So, I don't hate that that pick at all. I, you know, go ahead, Stefano. You give us your pick. I've got, I've got some thoughts on Red Bull. Yeah, I'm a fan of Sam's pick, especially for Lewis Hamilton, considering he was fastest on day three of uh, preseason testing at the Spanish circuit. So definitely a fan of that, Sam. Good, good job. But for but for qualifying, I'm going to go Chuck on pole, Science P2, Max P3. And then for the race, I'm thinking it's a Ferrari 1-2 like Sam, but in reverse. So Chuck P1, Science P2, and I'm thinking Checo pips Max to the podium for P3. Wait a minute, hold on. You guys both don't have Max Verstappen on a podium this weekend. Nah. You have and, and Sam, I get yours. You're saying you're saying the reliability, but you're telling me Checo is on a podium ahead of Max this weekend, Stefano. So of the two Red Bulls that are going to be on a podium, you're having Checo ahead of Max. Yeah, and I it's mostly just a fan of his driving style. It's very similar to Max's, but Checo I think is a bit more aggressive, and I think he has a point to prove following a really unfortunate race in Miami. You know, with that weird engine glitch, I think it robbed him of a podium spot. I think he was really going to get Carlos Sainz off the podium in Miami, so I think he's going to want to uh, 
really put the pedal to the metal in Spain and uh, really seal a podium spot this week. Guys, I mean, this is a ridiculous predictions out of you guys this weekend. I mean, we're, we're talking two, two people here who, with one Red Bull as Checo ahead of Max, who has, in the three races he's finished, won every single race. With last weekend, he had an eight-second gap ahead of Charles Leclerc after not racing for FP1 through FP3, basically. And the weekend before had like a 40-second or a 30-second gap. And you're telling me now, going into Spain, he's not going to be un- even sniffing P3? Guys, this is, I mean, this is ridiculous. But I love the boldness out of you guys. It's just, I can't even believe what I'm hearing. I, I get it. I get the Sam comment, the reliability. I mean, Red Bull's been battling reliability. You hold your breath every time the radio comes on during a race weekend because you're like, you don't know if Max is going to say that the, the wheel is heavy or if, like, he's losing power or, you know, somebody comes on and says, hey, stop the car, Max, we have to retire. Like, it's, it's, I totally get that. But, like, to think that Checo is, like, going to be standing in P3 ahead of Max is, like, almost, like, unthinkable. It's, it's, it's almost, like, blasphemy, but call me a heretic. I think he's. I think he's on the podium ahead of Max. See where the chips fall on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see where the chips fall on Sunday. All right. Yeah, Matt. Let's let's hear let's hear your predictions. Yeah, yeah I'll give you my Buxton over here. Give us your predictions. Yep. No, I'll give you mine. So I think that for pole, I think you get Charles Leclerc on pole. I think that this is a Ferrari circuit. I don't think that there is any chance that Carlos signs out qualifies his own teammate. He couldn't do it in Miami. He's not going to do it now. I think that, you know, even if Max didn't make that mistake in Miami, he was going to outqualify Carlos. So, like, Carlos barely outqualified Max as, like, first flying lap in Q3. And he was, like, two tenths off the pace of his own teammate. And then he was well beyond, like, 20 seconds behind them by the end of the race. So, like, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think you got Leclerc sitting on pole. I think you've got, you know, it's probably going to be a Ferrari weekend. I mean, I don't know how you could say it's not going to be Leclerc sitting on first. I actually think Carlos signs the, the pressure gets him in his home race and he doesn't finish, to be honest with you. Honestly, there's a wild stat out there that in like home races between Italy and like Carlos signs in Spain, like Ferrari's like had like one in like seven. They're not very good in like race weekends where they're expected to win and be like on their their home soil. And like, I don't think Carlos Sainz has the head for it. Do you think he gets a DNF? Uh, Sainz has a DNF this weekend. That's how bold I'm going to make that claim. I think you got Leclerc. Honestly, I think you got, it's it's like, it's clear Max is number two, like Max P2 for sure. And then I'm going to go back to the well again. I'm saying George Russell sitting P3. I think George Russell sits on the podium this weekend. I think to Sam, your point, reliability, I think plagues Checo. I think something happens with him, maybe like a puncture. He has to go in the pits. He ends up like maybe finishing like 10th. And I think you've got Lewis and and George. And George is not like backing off of Lewis. He had a little bit of a rough weekend in in Miami, new track, but in terms of qualifying. But his performance in Imola was pretty fantastic. And I think you're going to see George Russell get his elbows out. And he's going to have a really dominant race. And he's going to be Mercedes' return to the podium. And he's going to be sitting P3. So that's who I've got this weekend. I know it's not really much of a limb. I've been doing Leclerc and Verstappen. But I, I like, at this stage, they're just so far and away from everybody, including their own teammates, that I just don't see how you have you know signs finishing P1 ahead of Charles. Unless there's like reliability issue for Charles. But like I just don't really... I or signs gets the big upgrade for the weekend. That's the rumor, right? That's the rumor floating around here. But we know how rumors has come back to bite us in the ass on all this stuff. And so... Yeah, I'm, I'm eating up this rumor this week. Yeah. I'm, it sounds like you're sitting down like napkin tucked in, five course meal. And like they're serving like signs new front wing and plates there's like an engine upgrade for course two a new rear wing for course three and then to sprinkle on some dessert like 
they're probably like not going to paint something and they're going to shave some keels. I'm, off I'm lapping it up. They'll take seconds and dessert. The thing is, though, from like a race weekend prediction, like let's all align on something here. This has to be a Ferrari track, right? Like, there's no way that like this is should be a Ferrari one-two finish if they do everything right. Maybe even a Grand Slam. Well, you just said Signs wasn't going to finish the race, so how no. I'm saying like on paper for that's my prediction. I'm saying though on paper this is like a Ferrari. This track should be a Ferrari track, right? Like like this is one that's theirs to lose. Sure seems that way. Yeah, I'm just saying I think Signs loses it. Like I think he like he has some confidence, but I think he just I think he loses something. I think he like spins off and goes into the gravel. Beaches his car again. I'm not having that. I'm not having that at all. All right, guys. Last bit takeaways. What's the, the final thought heading out and going into the Spanish weekend? We'll start with Stefano. I'm looking for forward to a banger of a race. I'm looking for the race to prove a lot of the critics of the Spanish Grand Prix wrong. I think it's going to be really exciting. Uh, I think, like we were talking about, it's going to be a Ferrari 1-2, potentially a Grand Slam. We'll see what the rest of the pack has to offer. We'll see what they can do to compete. But other than that, I'm very excited. Awesome. Sam, final thoughts heading into Spain. Looking forward to plenty of margaritas and senoritas out in Barcelona. And yeah, I'm excited to see some fast cars ripping up the track and Ferrari to get back on their winning ways and uh, a Ferrari one too. Yeah, you heard it here first. All right, guys. Moving on to our most favorite, notorious, in-the-point segment. It's the one that most people listen into, and we always save the best for last heading into race weekend, Sam's Picks. Sam, you have had an unbelievable ride this season, 11-1 on race matchups, 4-1 on race winners. It's just been an absolute dominant season for you. You're batting 67% win rate this year unbelievable what are you seeing we're heading into spain this is a track everybody knows cars know how to be set up this has got to be a tough one i feel like this is probably has the most lines of any race so far just given the history the amount of data vegas has what are you seeing what are your picks this weekend yeah so first of all find me another f1 gambler that's hidden at 67 percent you can't it's not out there i'm the best i'm the best in the game and i'm gonna give you some more winners this week but yeah to your point a lot of lines a lot of lines this week. It's going to be crazy, and I have a mega card. It's like the back of the stats. Mega card. Biggest card of the year so far. I'm ready to rock and roll. I love these lines this week. I hate some of these lines this week. I'll let you know about those, but we'll dive right in. So, you know, as we talked about my race predictions, I think we see Mercedes make the jump a little bit this week. I think we see Lewis Hamilton, an inspired drive. I think he shows up at Barcelona in a big way. So I'm looking at Lewis Hamilton, top six finish. Seems like a no-brainer to me. I'm going to pay a little juice on that, minus 170. But I like Lewis Hamilton, top six finish, and that's going to be my first pick. Sam, top six for Lewis Hamilton. He he was top six in Miami. So you're thinking Mercedes has really found something with the pace, and they've broken down that simulator difference of one second. You think they're going to be on form this weekend? Between the pace and Hamilton's experience here at Barcelona, I think he's going to have a big week. The Prince of Spain. Yeah, and I, I just I, I, I think he's going to finish in the podium. So a chance to bet him top six, it's an absolute no-brainer for me. Totally. What do you got next? So uh, another team that I've looked towards this year and specifically this week is Alpine and uh, more specifically Fernando Alonso. It's a home race for him. He needs points. He needs momentum. So I have him 
in the points this week. Top 10 finish, Fernando Alonso, minus 150. We talked about it earlier on the podcast, Mr. Unlucky. Hopefully the luck is on his side in his home race. And then, yeah, to kind of counter that, a top 10 that I hate, a line that I don't think makes much sense and I don't think there's any value around it and to stay away from would be Pierre Gasly, top 10. The AlphaTauri has kind of taken a step back a little bit. He's been super inconsistent. He hasn't really shown the aggressiveness that we are used to from him. So I don't think that he has a great week this week. I haven't really heard much about any upgrades that AlphaTauri is bringing this week. So I think I'm going to stay away from a top 10 finish them. I wouldn't bet it. So that's that's a line that I'm looking at that I, I don't like at all. Yeah, if anything, if you were an AlphaTauri fan, you might want to sprinkle Yuki ahead of Pierre Gasly instead in terms of a, a top 10 finish. It sounds like Certainly, certainly might be a matchup I'm looking towards on Sunday. And once again, keep an eye on our Twitter on Saturday after qualifying at in underscore the underscore points. I'll be giving my race matchups as I always do. 11 and one, as Matt previously said, I'm the best in the business. Best in the business. All right, Sam, who do you got next? So no, you hate the Pierre Gasly line. Love that about you. I, I agree. So who do you have next? Back to one that I love. And this is a fun one. Fun, fun bet here. Fastest pit stop. Whoa. First time I've seen this line on the board all year, and it's one that I love. Red Bull seems to have the fastest stop every week. It's a team I'm not going to bet against for this type of bet. So I'm looking at Red Bull for fastest pit stop, plus 110. Funny, cool bet. I'm loving this one, and I'm loving Red Bull plus 110. So Sam, now this isn't a line. I'm not going to hold you to, but which driver do you think has that fastest pit stop? Checo or Max? Tough question. You're asking all the hard-hitting ones. It's a loaded question because I know the answer. I'll go with Max, I guess. I mean... I can't really bet against him, so I'll go so, with Max on that one. It's funny because I I like that bet. That's a super fun bet. That's awesome. I would sprinkle McLaren plus 1,600. I saw a graphic earlier in this week. The top five pit stops of the year this year have come from Red Bull and, and McLaren. And all three of the Red Bull stops was with Checo. So that's why I asked you. So I love that bet. I think Red Bull is on peak form. Those pit guys are unbelievable. I think they're fantastic. And especially at the end, if Checo's going for like a fastest lap or something, they're going to like fly on, fly off. But McLaren, sprinkle those guys. They're fast. I love that, Matt. I love that. If you're if you're going to go the fastest pit stop route this week, I would not only bet Red Bull, but I think McLaren's got a lot of value too. Totally. Love that bet. What a fun bet. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, fun one. So the next one, if you've been listening to In the Points from the start, you know what my favorite bet of the week is. You know, you know where I'm going here. Back to the old faithful. We're going safety car. First time all year that this bet has been under minus 300. First time all year. I've eaten the juice. It's paid off. Vegas thinks they know something this week about there not being any any big crashes. Well, guess what? I know something too. There's going to be a safety car. And I'm going to keep going back to the well until there's nothing left to drink. Safety car minus 170. Book it. We're going back to the well and we're going to get a safety car. Old reliable. That's your bet. If anyone who's been following in the points knows, if there's one prop Sam loves, it's a safety car prop. I think you're 4-0 on those. Yeah, I, I sure am. So this this next one is, a. if you're a gambler out there, you know about the concept of hedging a little bit. This next bet's a little bit of a hedge to that safety car bet. It's going to be over 16 and a half classified drivers minus 150. So while I do think there's going to be a safety car, I do think there's going to be a crash. We'll see a couple cars get knocked out of the race. I do think with the familiarity of this track, you know, they, they did preseason testing here at Barcelona. It's been track that's been on schedule for a while now. I do think that we're going to see a clean race from a lot of drivers. So we're going to see some good racing. And I don't think the safety car is going to knock out too many of these cars. So I'm going to take 
over 16 and a half classified drivers is a little bit of a hedge to my safety car bet. And hopefully we can thread the needle there and hit both. So you think only three guys aren't going to finish this race or, or less or less. I, I, don't, I, less. I think that's a pretty, pretty good, smooth number, especially for Spain. It's a track everybody knows. It's a track that notoriously these guys have good setup. It's, it's not a very hot circuit. So you're not going to see a whole lot of big time tire digs causing some spin outs. And they all know this track from testing with these cars too. So I kind of like that. I think three cars not finishing probably feels right, right? Like that's that's kind of like what's on pace for this weekend. Yep. And now uh, back to a line that I don't like that uh, that I really think that our followers should stay away from this week. Um, you know, we've we've talked about how we think it's a Ferrari weekend. It's a Ferrari track. Should be. I'm staying away from Checo Perez this weekend, and I'm staying away specifically from him being on the podium. Right now, his line's at minus 110. I don't think there's a lot of value there. I'm staying away from that. I think our followers should stay away from that. So one that I kind of circled as a bet I don't like is Checo Perez on the podium at, at minus 110. Let's stay away from that one. Let's let our Ferraris do their job this weekend and kind of hog the podium and, and see where Checo lands. But I'm, I don't think he's going to be on the podium this weekend, so I'm staying away from that one. Yeah, especially amidst rumors that Carlos Sainz has a massive upgrade package for his car. It's a home race weekend for him. Checo had some potential reliability issues in Miami, almost caused him to retire the car. So I love that, Sam. I think that that's a smart bet. And nice segue into the Ferrari portion of my card. So, you know, if you've been following the last couple of races... I've had either a Ferrari fastest lap or a Chuck Leclerc fastest lap. I'm sticking to my guns. I think we see it this week. Ferrari fastest lap plus 110. And we've talked about it numerous times. It's a Ferrari track. I think they're going to be strong this weekend. I think they're going to have the fastest lap. And to get them plus money there, the fastest lap, to either have signs or Leclerc, get it, I think is great value. So I'm, I'm adding that to my card. Ferrari fastest lap plus 110. And then sticking with the Ferrari theme here, I'm going with Ferrari Constructor to win the race. Now, as you as you know, my race uh, prediction has Carlos Sainz winning the race. I'll get to that in a second. I'm going monster bet on Ferrari Constructor to win the race at plus 100. I think it's kind of crazy that Red Bull is the favorite constructor to win this at minus 140. I think there's a lot of value to get Ferrari at plus 100. So, um, we're hammering Ferrari plus 100 to win this race this weekend. I think it's great value. I just think they're the team to beat heading into Spain. So plus 100 Ferrari to win the race. But I think Carlos Sainz is going to win a race this year. I've said it once. I'll say it again. He's going to win a race this year. I think it's going to be in Spain. I'm going to sprinkle Carlos Sainz to win his first race of the year. You know, you know, I like him to win this this race. I'm back to the well. I hit, I hit, I sprinkled signs the first couple of races to win. I'm going back. I think he gets the job done with these massive upgrades. And I think he kind of solidifies himself as a top driver and kind of gets back into the mix of, hey, this guy can race. Carlos signs to win at Spain plus 1400. A nice little sprinkle in there on top of our Ferrari constructor to win the race at plus 100. So Ferrari constructor plus 100, Carlos signs sprinkle plus 1400 are going to be my winner bets. Wow, Carlos Sainz plus 1,400 at a home race. These lines are all over the place, Sam, because we think it's Ferrari track. Red Bull's the favorite constructor to win. But then, like, Checo is behind. He's fourth, and Max is a favorite at the same the same lines. Like, 
the it seems like Vegas is a little bit all over the map. They don't know what they're doing this weekend. I think there's a lot of opportunity for the sharps out there like myself to make some money because it seems like Vegas is pretty confused about what's going to happen. Um, I, I think if you dive into the numbers and to, you know, the packages these teams are bringing, you'd, you'd understand that I think Ferrari's the team to beat. And to see that they still have Max as the favorite and Red Bull as the favorite constructor, I think they're confused. So there's a great opportunity for us out there this weekend. They'd have to be. And, you know, this is this is obviously Sam's bets, but I can't help but dive into some of the lines here. There's, there's two that I kind of think are a little bit fun too, Sam. I want your take on these for our listeners who may be looking outside of the Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. Alfa Romeo and Haas, those two teams, individual lines, double top 10. So both teams in the points. Alfa Romeo having both cars in the points, plus 275. Haas having both cars in the points, plus 350. Do you like either of those? Like those really seem like fun in the points bets. You know, I like where your head's at. And I've got caught in the Haas double points trap a couple times this year. You know, Schumacher just hasn't shown the consistency to warrant me thinking he's going to be in the points and and you know neither has k-mag for for that matter he he hasn't looked great the last few weeks either so if i'm going to bet one of those i think it's going to be alfa romeo Um, i think valtteri at this point has become a fairly sure bet to to be in the points he's been so strong great form so i think you kind of have one of them locked up and then you know his teammate there gwen's out he he he's been the points already once this year. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me to see him in there again. So I think if you are going to pick one of those two, I'd lean towards Alfa Romeo. And I, look, we're rooting for Haas to get both in the points and kind of get back on track. But I just think that they're too inconsistent and have been a little off the past few weeks to to warrant betting them at this point. So I'd lean off for a Mayo compared to those two. Again, shows you that like Vegas is just like all over the map. They're clearly just pummeling Red Bull, Ferrari, and a little bit of the Mercedes. But I guess it's to be expected. But sometimes that's where you I feel like that's where you can make a lot of the money here is in that midfield because those guys just don't really have any clue what's going on. Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right, Sam. So far you've been all over this board. You've got tons of bets. You think Carlos Sainz finally stands on that top, top, tippity top step ahead of Max and Charles, he wins his Spanish home race weekend. The Spaniard takes it back. We think you've gone to the well with a safety car. You think Ferrari fastest lap. You're going back to that well. You're 0-2 in the last two weeks against that, but that's got to hit at some point. So of all these picks, Sam, what is your best bet, mortal lock of the decade? Book it. What is it? You know, I think it's a Spanish weekend, and I love Fernando Alonso to be in the points this weekend. I really do. So that, that bet kind of stands out to me. Uh, I think his back's up against the wall a little bit. You know, we talked about it. He's 0-5 against his teammate. Um, I, I think he needs a strong race. And he was there last weekend in Miami until the last few ra- few laps where he got reckless, had a couple penalties that caused him to drop outside the points. I think he gets it done this weekend at his home track. I love him to finish in the top 10. So if I were to pick a best bet this weekend, I'd look towards El Plan to finish in the points, minus 150. I love that, Sam. What a great set of picks. And honestly, I think Vegas agrees with you right now. Alpine looking like the fourth team after Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes to have double points finishes. So that kind of tells you that they think Fernando Alonso is going to be up in the points alongside Esteban Ocon. Who's going to finish ahead of who? You're going to have to find out this Saturday on Twitter at in underscore the underscore points for Sam's race matchup weekends. Will Esteban Ocon go 6-0 and against his teammate or will El Plan in his home race weekend? Kind of just snatch that first win against teammate. Sam, I know you'll be all over the race. I've got a beat on that one, so stay tuned on Twitter. Stay tuned. Sam's picks. We love you, Sam. Thanks. Thanks. 
that's a wrap for us on this week's episode of In the Points. Tune in this Sunday, May 22nd, for the Spanish Grand Prix at the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya. Will Mercedes finally stand atop the podium? Are there reliability issues behind Red Bull? Or has Ferrari been playing possum all year just to dominate the technical circuits? As always, please like, subscribe, smash all those bells and whistles so you never miss the hottest takes in Formula One. It's a short week next week as we have a doubleheader with Monaco during Memorial Day weekend. So stay tuned for a special double stack episode that you will not want to miss. Until next week, stay out of that dirty air and keep pushing. All of this can be yours. All of this, all of this can be yours. Just can